Hello, dancers. I'm your host, Brittany Chalk, and you're listening to the A Dancer's Guide podcast, a podcast designed to inspire, inform, and empower dancers by sharing the experiences of industry professionals. You can follow us on Instagram at A Dancer's Guide Official, join our Facebook group, A Dancer's Guide Tableau, and check out our website, adancersguide.com, for all the latest news, upcoming events, podcast episodes, dance guidance, on-demand resources, and so much more. Wherever you are listening from, I hope this podcast sparks inspiration and lends useful advice to help you along your unique dance journey. Welcome back to A Dancer's Guide podcast. I'm so happy you've decided to tune in. On this episode, we'll be exploring what it's like to dance on TV and in movies alongside some of Hollywood's biggest stars. Today, I'm joined by a dancer turned actress who has graced theatrical stages, entertained in sports arenas, and danced on camera for countless TV shows and films, including La La Land and Cold Case. She is fresh off of pilot season, and I'm so honored she's taken the time to speak with me today. So without further ado, I'm thrilled to introduce Tiffany Daniels. Hi, Tiffany. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Hi, Brittany. Thank you so much for having me. Very happy to be here. Absolutely. Why don't you start by introducing yourself a little bit? Okay. Um, Well, thank you for that lovely introduction. But I am Tiffany Daniels, and I am currently... Uh, in Los Angeles, California, and I am considered a professional dancer turned actress. Yes. Um, Now, occasionally I still get to utilize my dance skills in some of the opportunities that I get, but acting is, um, has become my main focus after a very long, maybe like 13 to 15 year dance career here in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Amazing. And I can't wait to hear more about that. So can you share you know, your entire unique dance journey with us? (laughs) Yes. Um, Well, I started pursuing dance more professionally um, right after college. So I graduated from Cornell University, uh, which is an Ivy League university here in the States. But early on in my education at Cornell, I realized that my passion is in the arts. And though I was getting a I guess you could call it quote unquote regular education (laughs) at Cornell. Um, I knew very early on sophomore year, my second year in that I was going to pursue a career in the, in the arts in the, in the entertainment industry. So I started Googling um, or researching. I don't even know if Google was a thing back then. (laughs) Sorry, I'm dating myself. (laughs) Um, I was researching some ways to introduce myself into the industry or just kind of just get my foot in the door, really. So I found two different scholarships, uh, one in Los Angeles at Edge Performing Arts Center and another one at Broadway Dance Center in New York City. Now, if you know, Cornell University is in upstate New York, and I am originally from San Diego, California. So I wanted to get out of the snow really quickly. Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) As I graduated from college, I was like, I'm done with this weather. So let me get back to California and let me just see what happens with this dance scholarship. So I applied... I got accepted to the audition. I went into the audition with very minimal expectations, but I ended up getting it. They give this scholarship out to 20 students a year. And I was so blessed and thankful that they chose me to be a part of that 20. And that was my introduction into the world. Um, So 
that is a very rigorous training program. You are training for probably 40, maybe 40 plus hours a week um, in various areas of dance. And they throw in some improv and voice and some other things in there just to kind of like make sure that we are well-rounded before they send us out into the into the industry. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> it is very important. More important than I realized at the time. Yes. Yep. Um, but uh, at the end of that scholarship year, they put on a show, a performance with all of the scholarship students. They invite all of the agencies out. They put a book together with our headshots and our resumes. And then the agencies just start deciding who it is exactly that they want. So I was able to land a few meetings, like three different meetings with three different dance agencies, which I thought was great um, at the time. And I ended up signing. So then I just started auditioning and that was terrifying. (laughs) It was completely terrifying. I didn't know what it meant to be an auditioner as a dancer and what it is to develop skills that make you stand out because as dancers, there are, the auditions are packed full, sometimes like two to four to 500 dancers. And it's how do you get yourself separated from the pack? And that is a whole separate skill set than just being a trained professional dancer. Absolutely. So that was also something that I had to learn very quickly. Um, but I was able to land a couple of auditions. Most of the auditions I went to, I didn't book, but I did book some. And it was really educational for me to like learn what it means to be a dancer in the entertainment industry. So uh, I very quickly got one of my first big jobs, maybe like within the first year or so of me auditioning. And I say big jobs with air quotes because it felt like a big job at the time. Right. It was the most money that I had ever seen. They were going to pay me like $1,200 a week for this touring musical. And there was a couple of big names attached to it. And I was like, what? I get to dance <laughs> on the stage with celebrities. <laughs> That's all, that's all we want, really. That's all we want, right. So I was like, oh, I have made it. But that job was supposed to last three months. And then it ended up being two weeks because they ran out of money. They sent everybody home. And I'm still waiting on that paycheck. from no. <laughs> Oh, my God. That was back in like 2003 or something like that. So I'm not really waiting for it, but you've made up for it. Yes, absolutely. It was a, I say all of that to say it was a really pivotal moment for me in my career because it was the first time that I had experienced like rejection on that level. It was the first time that I had experienced like a lot of people say a whole lot of things in this industry and they don't always have the things to back it up. So it was like, it was a really eye-opening experience for me. I was like, okay, I thought that this was a huge job and a huge opportunity for me, but it, it didn't pan out the way I wanted it to, but it did teach me a couple things. There are jobs out there that, that provide this kind of, this level of opportunity. I just need to go out and find the one that actually has the backing. Um, but it's possible they exist. So that's awesome. Yeah. And two, this industry is ruthless. 
So this is the beginning of the development of the thick skin. Right. So I was really, really thankful for that opportunity in hindsight. At the time I was like, right. But you learned something (laughs) that's important. I learned something huge and that was important. And then from there, Brittany, it just kind of like started to go. That was the beginning. And then I was like, okay, what I have to do here is keep going. That is the lesson that I am going to take. And that's going to be the lesson of this entire podcast that I am bringing to your listeners today. No matter what, we just have to keep going because the opportunities will present themselves again. Yes, they will. Long answer to a short question. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. And so tell me more about the the movies and TV shows you've been in. I'm so excited. Tell me it all. Well, I, after that experience with that musical, I decided to audition for the Laker girls and I wasn't dreaming about being a Laker girl, but I was dreaming about being in an arena or in a stadium somewhere and dancing for this united team. Like everybody in this stadium, everybody in this arena is here for this one thing. And I'm at the forefront of all of that as a cheerleader, like that was the dream. So it didn't matter how it manifested, if it was NBA or NFL, but the Laker girls was the first audition that came up. So I went to that one. And again, it was like 500, 600 girls, something wild and crazy like that. But somehow I managed to make it through all the way to the end. And I ended up booking that job as well. Amazing. So that was an incredible opportunity for me. Um, Kobe was still playing and um, it was actually the year that Kobe scored his most points ever. Wow. So it was a really monumental moment for yeah. all of us. <laughs> you were meant to be there. Yeah. <laughs> little good luck charm. It wasn't something that I had dreamed about doing for a very long time, like doing for multiple years, but it was definitely something a, like a landmark that I wanted to hit. Yeah. And I wanted to take it take full advantage of the opportunity while I was in it. So they had a um a Lakers TV show that they screened before each game and they picked um, a couple of girls to be the hosts of the Laker TV shows. So I got to do that as well, which allowed me to interview players and to just kind of like step out of the group a little bit and like step into the forefront. That was kind of the beginning of that for me. I was like, oh, there is something very appealing about this, but it's so comfortable being back here with all of my girlfriends. I love this back here. It's really easy, but there is something that's drawing me Hmm. towards the front. I'm just going to leave that alone. I don't know what that is, but it's there. It exists. The seed has been planted. And then after Lakers, I decided, because I only had decided to do that for one season, I auditioned for a musical called The Color Purple. And it was a national tour of the Broadway production. And again, it was not something that I had necessarily had my, my eye on, Mm. but I did grow up doing musical theater and it was something that was very natural for me. And it was an opportunity that wasn't given to a lot of dancers in Los Angeles because they usually audition for those things out of New York. Right. So I thought it was really unique that they were coming to Los Angeles to look for new talent. And you know, there was a long audition process through that as well. I and did end up having to fly to New York for the callback and, and, and whatnot. So um, 
it was very extended, but I ended up booking that as well. And that was something that was so life altering, so life changing, because I got to tour the country and Canada for three years Wow! in the same show. So it was consistent money. It was the most money that I had ever made. It was the first time that I myself had gotten to be surrounded by the uh, an entire African-American community. Um, so it was really life-changing for me in that way, personally. Um, but I was an understudy for one of the principal roles. And that was like something very new to me, very foreign. I had been in the ensemble and I had been so happy in the ensemble for so many years. When I, they presented the contract to me for the job, they said, you're going to be an understudy for the role of Squeak. And I was like, wait, but she's like... <laughs> She has to do things like by herself in the front. That's great though, that they <laughs> saw that, that you could potentially do that. That's amazing trust. Absolutely, Brittany. That's what I said, but I didn't see that in myself yet. Right. I hadn't, I hadn't stepped into that yet. So the beautiful thing about being an understudy is less pressure. You don't know exactly when you're going to be on, but you do know that at some point you're going to have to be on. So it took about, I can't even remember at this point, but maybe a year of me being on that tour and having understudy rehearsals with all the other understudies. But there was one day that the girl I understudied was really sick. And they were like, Tiffany, you're on in 45 minutes. I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) I've never done anything like this before ever, but I did it. Good. I did it, Brittany. I don't know how I did. I came off stage and I was like, what happened? Was I good? Did, what, did I do it? Did I say the words? Was I just standing there? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I blacked out. Right. But there was something that like that little seed that had been planted, it was just like ignited again. Mm. It was like, you know what, Tiffany? I think that you are meant for more. Mm. And I'm going to allow you the, the freedom to explore that. So that was my initiation into acting. And while we were on tour, I started taking classes in all of the cities that we were in, especially for cities that we were in for more than three weeks. If we were there for four to eight weeks, I was taking a class somewhere. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it was great because in all these different cities, nobody knew who I was. You know what I mean? I could just dip in, be awful in class, get all these kinks out, work it all out, and then move on to the next city. (laughs) Oh, that's super impressive. You know, people that are on tour, I imagine they can get comfortable, right? They're just doing their show, they're making their money, they're traveling. And then the fact that you wanted to continue to develop yourself and go to these classes at different cities is, oh my God, that's amazing. I I love that you did that. Um, Everyone listening should, you know, if you're ever on tour, (laughs) that is some great a advice yeah i mean there was a lot of people that were on tour with me that were teaching dance classes Mm. in different cities because i think that's a really great way for dancers to supplement more income while they are on the road i think that's awesome but there was just something about like i need to learn more there's something Mm. more i need to learn i'm making enough money to survive on this tour i don't need to make more money i need to make more knowledge so that was kind of like my that was my take on the whole thing. Yeah. So after I got back from the color purple, three years of the color purple, I decided to jump into acting classes hardcore. And thankfully I had 
developed enough relationships as a dancer in Los Angeles that I was able to sustain some dance work while I was diving so deeply into my acting education. So um, I did a show called The Fresh Beat Band and I did like 12 or 13 episodes dancing on that, which was really incredible because I got to be on set on the same show for multiple episodes. So I got to learn how it worked and I was a dancer. So there wasn't a a ton of pressure or a ton of responsibility on me besides, you know, the obvious, but I just got to be there in the room where it happens. And I was so observant that I was just learning and like watching who is that person and what, why, who is that? What is their title? You know, so I was, I was just being a sponge, but Mm. like being paid as a dancer on the side, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, Fresh Beat Band happened. Um, I did a movie shortly after that called Make Your Move, which was a dance film that we filmed in Canada. And that was a huge opportunity for me as well, because I got to relocate to Canada for two months and rehearse for a month and then film for another month. Maybe it was three months actually, but either way, like another ultimate dream as a dancer to be on location somewhere being paid to live in a new city and explore a new city while having a job at the same time. Yeah. Incredible. And then after that, Britt, it really was just like, the goal was getting, being able to say words on television. Like mm-hmm. that was the goal. Right. My very first show that I booked as an actor, the first line that I got to say on television was on a show called Anger Management with Charlie Sheen. Yeah. And, you know, it was really great because that audition, they said to me, we need a girl that can do like a really annoying voice. And I had just come off of Color Purple playing Squeak and she right. like way up here. So it was like, oh, well, I'm just going to see if the squeak voice works for that. And they were like, loved it. Book. You know what I mean? So, you know, it just, I say that to say it all is connected. Mm-hmm. Every piece of your experience is informing the next and the next and the next and the next. So, yes. Oh my gosh. Incredible. I mean, there's literally nothing like you haven't done. Um, and we're going to get into even more that you've done. So, Thank you for sharing all of that. So starting with the beginning, we all started auditions, right? Can you share with us what some of your auditions for TV and film have been like? I know you uh, expressed a bit about how many people are there, but do you need an agent to get into those types of auditions? Are there rounds and rounds and rounds of callbacks or is it just like a one and done sort of thing? Um, and, And if you don't have an agent, where can you find these auditions just to help dancers better understand what they would expect if they were to attend an audition for TV and and film? Yeah. Well, let's just touch on the representation piece first. Yeah. Now I think that it is possible. Anything is possible without representation, but I do believe that representation makes things easier, not only to, to find information about opportunities, but agencies can also, make sure that each opportunity is taking care of you properly. Right. Right. So it's nice to have somebody else to, to make sure that all of the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. <laughs> yeah. They're in your corner. Yeah. They're in your yeah. corner. And I also think the the side bonus for having representation 
is uh, you become a part of the agency community, mm. like automatically, Yeah, you know, especially like in the land of social media. Yeah. They do. They post about like who books what and they're happy about their clients. They post about yeah. who books what. Yes, there's a hashtag that you can always add to your stuff and it's just going to get piled into this yeah. collection of things. And it's also just like nice to be connected to choreographers because they're not only representing dancers, they're representing choreographers as well. Yeah. So it's good to like just have an in, you know? So right. representation is definitely the goal. But it is absolutely possible to do things without it. So, you know, a lot of the things that I'm going to say are based on life before the pandemic. Sure. Yeah. So it's a little, I know that things have changed and they're going to continue to change um, in this world. Oh yeah. We're all going to try to figure things out post pandemic. So don't worry. Let's, yeah. I, uh, let me hear what you've experienced. Yeah. And I'm sure some of it will definitely translate over. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think we've all got a bit of learning to do going forward. Yeah. I mean, it is sometimes they have organized dance, specifically dance auditions, um, so that each agency gets a time slot. Okay. Which is also really helpful so that it doesn't feel so overwhelming and it doesn't feel so impossible to be seen because in a room full of 500 people, it is so easy to not be seen. But yes, I have gone to some auditions that have massive amounts of people and it just becomes such a difficult challenge just to even see the choreography. And that's where I have found a lot of my own personal frustrations come into play. And I unfortunately would deny going to some of the auditions where I knew there was going to be that many people which is not the way that I think anyone should do it. But I just know from my own personal experience, I was like, this doesn't feel like it's going to be worth my time in this moment. But there have been some auditions that are even done individually, like self-taped at home. Right. So that is a great way now for dancers to at least like be seen. Right. Like, your tape is going to get to casting, then it at least is going to get seen at least it's first 20, 30 seconds of it. Right. So we are, we love a good self tape. If, if it's a self tape situation, I'm there, but yeah. the open calls, I do have a struggle with, but I don't even know if that's going to exist anymore. Post pandemic. No, oh, that's a lot of people to cram into a building and yeah, yeah I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. Especially because I was I was speaking to a lot of casting directors and we were talking about there might be the possibility of doing some sort of virtual round first or, or a submission <laughs> and then narrowing it down and then going back into the audition of, you know, the 50 maybe they want to see yeah. in person. So that might be something that happens in the future where we don't see these 500 people because I think equally walking in seeing, oh my God, I'm literally number 500 on the signing list. Mm-hmm. It, it messes with you, gets mm-hmm. in your head yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, I'm, ne- I'm never going to get this. Yeah. So it's, you have to really fight that why try mentality because you never know. You never know. Yeah. I mean, and I, I also found it really challenging that it wasn't necessarily about your skills as a dancer and in some of these massive open calls, it wasn't necessarily about that, Mm. but it was about your freestyle at the end. 
what, what kind of tricks can you do? What kind of things can you personally add that the next person can't? And not everybody comes with a bag of tricks. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so if you don't have that, that's also going to mess with your, with your mind. So it just started to like defeat me on a regular basis. And I, I felt so strongly about my skills as a dancer. So it was just really starting to, to make me question, like, I don't, I'm just not sure if this is the way for me to get ahead. And what I started to hear early on in my acting days, um, about acting auditions is there's always an appointment time for an actor. There's always an appointment time. You show up at your appointment time, you are definitely seen, and then you are done for the day. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice, Brittany? Some of the dance auditions would take all day long. Eight hours. Oh, yeah. All day long. And then you would walk away still not with the job. No. So it just started to, it just started to defeat my heart just a little bit, but it wasn't something that I was like, I'm never going to go to a dance audition again. I'm just going to be really specific and really particular about the ones that I go to. Mm -hmm. So uh, what I was going to mention as far as without representation, I always encourage everybody in the industry to sign up for all of the casting profiles, casting networks, actors access, Casting Frontier, they have breakdowns coming out on a regular basis all the time. And if you are determined to make it as an artist, as a dancer, then you glue yourself to these casting sites and these casting profiles. And you are constantly looking at the breakdowns yourself because sometimes some of the big breakdowns that get sent out to agencies also get put up there for your own self-submission. Yeah. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're looking for such a specific type of dancer. And if you're on it, then you can be, then you can submit yourself and you don't need representation for that. Now, again, this is what I encourage in the beginning when you're just trying to like figure everything out, find out where exactly it is you might fit into the industry. And so you can just start to understand what kind of projects are being put out there, what, what kind of breakdowns are being put out there. It's also really great for dancers to get a commercial agent because there are so many times that commercials need dancers and you get to have an appointment. You get to go in, you get to do your freestyle, you get to do your thing and then you leave. And like, that's also another great way for dancers to make a living. When I was coming up, the only thing that like made you really feel like you were a professional dancer is if you were dancing for an artist. Hmm. And a lot of the dancers that were fortunate enough to book those jobs, they kind of made it feel like that was the ultimate, you know? Right. Yeah. Like it, and it is, it's a great job to have touring the the world with an artist, getting to explore different places and different cities and the massive amount of energy inside those arenas that you get to perform. Ridiculous. Yeah, it must be. Ridiculous. But it is not the only way to make it as a dancer. Yes. And I want to emphasize that in a huge, huge way. There's also not a lot of residual income in that Mm. either. Ooh, okay. So just little bits of information. But there are so many other things that can be done and you can still be considered a professional dancer. It doesn't have to just be about the artist's work. A lot of the times as dancers, you get the question, oh, you're a dancer? Who do you dance for? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I dance for me. 
<laughs> Good <Dance> answer. <laughs> and I dance for that for that paycheck. Yep. Yep. Um, but yes, so it is possible to do it without representation, but ultimately representation is the goal. Yeah. Amazing. So obviously we've just talked about having an appointment time. Is there anything else that differs between theatrical dance auditions and TV and film auditions? Uh, I mean, obviously we can go into dancing, how that differentiates, and then possibly how maybe acting completely is just different than dance. Mm -hmm. Um, Because also I don't want to limit dancers. I know we talk about dance primarily on this podcast, but acting is another path for people. And I I would be interested to give that information to people as well. um, What acting auditions are like. (laughs) Listen, I really wanted to encourage your listeners to, um, yes, the dance is a beautiful dream to have. And I think it is going to fulfill me in ways for the rest of my life, like nothing else can. But I don't think it's ever going to be an industry that a dancer can just do that forever. I don't know anybody that has only been a dancer their entire career. So I just wanted to make sure that I left your listeners at least with the information to start exploring other things too. Yes. Please start doing that because I am so thankful that I started exploring acting when I did because now where I'm at, I, I, I mean, I, I pretty much like I did it. I like, I got to the goal that I was looking for and yeah. now I have to like reset and figure out the next level of goals because we continue to, to elevate and then we, we have to con- continue finding new things to inspire us and motivate us towards new things. So yeah. auditioning as a dancer now versus auditioning as an actor now it's much more appealing to me to audition as an actor because it's a little bit more organized. And I do feel like within the acting world, there's more opportunity. Mm. I think that there are limited opportunities now, post COVID still in the middle of COVID, whatever. Um, I think there are limited opportunities now and the opportunities that, that are in existence are going to the top 2% of dancers that were already constantly booked all the time that already have these really established relationships with choreographers. So some of these incredible dancers that are out here is still just trying to make it. Yeah. Book something. They're just trying to book something, but like, it's so hard right now. But if you had a commercial agent, you wouldn't be as focused on trying to book the job with the artist or trying to book the tour or trying to book that television Mm. performance, because you would be auditioning much more regularly and frequently as a commercial actor. Right. And when you have a commercial agent as a dancer, your dance just becomes an asset, right? You get to audition for everything every commercial when you have commercial representation. Right. If you're a dancer, then you get to audition for the dance commercials too. Right. So I say start working that out. Start Mm -hmm. diving into the commercial world. Get a commercial agent. It's going to feed everything else that you do. Amazing. Well, continuing on, you are a member of SAG-AFTRA and Actors' Equity Association. Can you share how you became a member of those unions. I'm, I'm always interested in people's paths to the union. Yeah. Um. Yes, for sure. I became a member of 
SAG mm-hmm. first. Okay. And I had done a couple of jobs that had given me like that credit or that point that was like, okay, you're SAG eligible. Right. Because you can only do so many projects on film in television or on film um, within the union before you become a must join. So I think that I had had like one or two credits already minor credits. I think they were, I was a background in a Pepsi commercial. I can't even remember what the other one was, but I was hired for a television show called cold case and my friends, Nick and RJ, the choreographers, they were choreographing and they really wanted me for this job, but there was all this discrepancy because I needed to become a member of SAG and it was like the job was going to pay less than the dues for SAG. So it was like it, the whole job was just a wash, but it get, it got me my union card. It got me in like no questions asked. Like I am now officially a member because of this. So right. I didn't realize how exciting and necessary that was in the moment. I was just like, oh, I'm going to do a TV show. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> But then so much more came along with it. Oh my gosh, so much. And I'm so, so thankful that I've been a part of this union. I feel so protected and taken, well taken care of. So that's awesome. And then did you do like the sister uh, union then getting into actors equity? No, I didn't actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Color Purple. I booked that exact same year. So I got both my uh, equity card and my SAG card in the same year. Very expensive year. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, Cold case I had booked earlier in 2007 and then color purple I booked, um, or 2006, sorry, been a long time, Brit. Um, somewhere in that same year, I, um, I booked the color purple, which was an automatic, you got to join equity. If you want to do this show, you want to do cold case, you got to join SAG. If you want to do color purple, you got to join. So I was like, okay, here's all of my money. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But now I have these two cards that's saying I'm a professional. So, okay. That's amazing. And that also guarantees you're seen at an audition. Yes. Guarantees that I'm seen at an audition and it guarantees certain rates and I am now being paid. So I'll take it. Yeah, definitely. So how many like things can you do before you have to technically be a must join? I think you get three. Ah, okay. Three projects, three SAG-AFTRA projects, whether that be a commercial, whether that be a TV show or a film, either way, you get three times to do it without being represented Mm -hmm. um, by the union. And then after that, you are a must join and they will not let you do whatever the next job is until you pay those dues. Yeah. Ah, very interesting. Yeah. I was never part of any union. So I'm always interested to, to hear. Oh, good. I'm glad to be able to share. Yeah. Well, moving on, we've auditioned, you've booked the job. Everyone then goes into a, a rehearsal process. So what is the rehearsal process like for a TV show in comparison to that of a movie? Is, is it different? <laughs> yes. Vastly, okay. vastly different. Um, well, television just moves quick. Right. Okay. Films, not so much. Okay. <laughs> um, with television specifically, like, so with the Fresh Beat Band, mm-hmm. that is considered um, a sitcom on Nickelodeon. And with sitcoms, there's 
basically a block schedule. You get Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for rehearsals, for the actors, for the dancers, for everybody, the cameramen, Mm -hmm. everybody needs a rehearsal for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you film Thursday, Friday. Cool. And that's pretty much how it works for a sitcom multicam show. Um, if you were on an episodic, Mm. an hour long drama, um, that had some sort of dance number featured in there somewhere, you would probably rehearse for about the same amount of time, depending on the value of this moment in the episode. If this was like the pinnacle of the episode, there might be more rehearsal time for that. But you probably get a, about three to four days and then one day of filming for an hour long episodic. Yeah. And they give you like the whole day to film that dance scene, um, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> for a movie, like the movie that I did um, in Canada, I was part of the main group of dancers. Okay. So we had to rehearse for a little over a month. Mm. So they relocated us up to Toronto. We lived in a hotel. We rehearsed eight hours a day, five days a week, maybe six. And then we filmed for a little over a month as well. Wow. So it's like, it's like, it's a completely different experience. Yeah. The film, it's, it's just this two to three hour block of information that is going to live on in this way forever. Mm. Just this story right here. That's it. But with TV, it's like, we're telling the story for a long time. If we've got six seasons, we're telling the story for a very long time. So it's like telling bits of the story, telling bits of the story, telling bits of the story. And we just keep that pace going on. Yeah. So they are so, so different. And each project differs within itself as well. Mm. There might be just like this tiny little dance section of just like hands. Yeah hands that's it and that's all you need rehearsal for so you don't need a whole week so it really just depends on the project but I like I was able to kind of like break it down a little bit into like some basic forms yeah yeah amazing and what advice would you have I think for dancers like dancing in front of a camera I think that's a whole different skill um that dancers need to practice it's not something we do every day I think the obvious is don't look directly into the camera Um, but unless you're told to I guess that's a possibility yeah absolutely I think it's really important as a dancer to always know where your cameras are Mm. Um, which is not something that you really need to focus on when you're on stage. Everything on stage is kind of projected out into the audience and up, but cameras can get really close. And so not everything has to be so big and grand. Um, I think it's just really important to know where your cameras are at all times and which cameras are going to be capturing you if there is a distinction, if it's just like, if it's on the, um, if it's the master shot, which just means it's a very wide shot, they're just kind of getting everything that they can in one shot, mm-hmm. then it doesn't necessarily matter because like all the cameras are going to be picking up everything. But when they do come in for coverage, I do think it's really important to be aware of where the cameras are. But I also think that it's really important as dancers to know that 
it's not about you. Mm. It's about us. Right. It's about we. We are all a part of this. So it's not just about like when that camera is going to come and get you so you can capture that little piece of footage for your Instagram or prove that you were like super cool and a part of a project. It's not about that. Mm. And I think it's really important as dancers to like remove the ego out of it and just be so grateful that you're there. Yeah. You're there. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they're getting a close up on you or if they see your cheek or your elbow. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You're there and you're there to serve the story. And it is such a gift to even have been invited to this party. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. As Tiffany said, if dance is our dream, we have to keep going and growing. And I can certainly attest to the fact that diving into the dance industry is not easy, but there is a place for you within it. In addition to years of training, dancers then have to audition, apply to programs, and do so much more to get one step closer to booking their first professional gig. Well, the good news is Thrive Dance Experience is here to help. Starting this June, Thrive is launching their academy program for passionate dancers between the ages of 15 and 18 who are looking to pursue dance as a career. The academy is a mentoring and career development program giving dancers opportunities such as one-on-one mentorship sessions, group seminars with industry professionals, virtual college tours, and so much more. It's all virtual, so dancers can participate from anywhere. To learn more and to sign up for the Academy, head over to ThriveDanceExperience.com. That's ThriveDanceExperience.com. Registration closes soon, so make sure to secure your space today. You'll receive 10% off by using the Dancer's Guide promo code THRIVE with ADG. And get ready to thrive. Well, then comparing the differences between TV and film and performing on stages. Mm-hmm. Quite different. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think that you can only be good at one versus the other. I don't believe that. Mm. I do believe there are very different skill sets and it's just about awareness. I honestly wholeheartedly believe that everybody can do both of these things. Yeah, It's just about knowing when it's important to project a little bit more or when it's important to live a little bit more up and so that everybody can see your eyeballs when you're on a stage versus knowing how to project that same exact energy just through your eyes with a look. Mm. It's knowing how to take that same exact thing and zero it in. Right. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Like when the camera comes close to you. Yeah. You gotta do it all with, with your face. Yeah. With a face with just simple little movements. Absolutely. Because that can be just as effective as projecting out for the nosebleed seats. Yes. <laughs> do you feel less pressure when you're dancing on camera? Because you know you can kind of do another take uh, versus dancing on stage where it's like, it's live. This is what it is. This <laughs> yeah. is for this audience. And, um, you know, even though you can redo a show night after night, yeah. um, even if you mess up, you can get a redo. But knowing, I think, I mean, maybe it's more pressure dancing on TV, knowing, oh, crap, this is the take that will be forever published. Um, what are your, how do you feel yeah. about all that? <laughs> you know, it was really interesting. This was one of my favorite questions that you asked, because I was like, what is it? Am I, what do I feel more pressure yeah. doing? Um, 
And at this point, it, I, it is stage. I would mm. feel more pressure with stage because though you do get to do the performance night after night after night, the audience is only there one time. Yeah. So that's that audience. That's their only time that they get to see this performance. And if I made a massive mess up during this one performance, then that is going to live on forever in those people's minds. Or that little girl that was in the front row that saw, oh, she didn't do that right. Or her foot was flexed or whatever it is, you know, I feel more pressure there because I can't go back and redo it. Right. I can't go back. Mm-mm. It is what it is. Yeah. And then with film and TV, the beautiful thing about that is it's not just my performance that people are going to see. Mm. The editors are going to take all of that stuff and put the best versions of everything together. And that is what lives on forever. Right. So I don't think anything bad is going to get out there, at least not in from the eyes of the editors or the execs and the producers, you know, they're only going to put out a good product, but I'm in ultimate control over my performance on the stage. Yeah. So that's pressure. That's that's (laughs) interesting. Yeah. I just didn't know which one was going to be worse. Me neither until you asked. I was like, oh, actually, yeah. Amazing, amazing. So uh, something else you've done is performing on TV award shows, which is so cool. I've always wanted to do that. You've been on the Emmys and you danced with Kelly Clarkson at the American Music Awards. Mm -hmm. Can you share what those experiences were like? Because yes, it's TV, but it's also a live stage and it kind of like merges the two worlds together. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Can you share what that's like? Totally. Yeah, so I think that the award show is, it's a rite of passage for the dancer, Mm. right? Yeah. I think it's a landmark that we all want to hit. And we are all so, I think there's a bit of envy when we, when we see all those dancers up on that stage, it's just like, oh my gosh, I just want to be able to do that. Right. I know we've all yeah. had experience. Yeah. We watch um, it every year and we're just like, um, I want to be up there. <laughs> There's so many dancers up there. I want to be up exactly. there. <laughs> I want to be one of them. How yeah. do I get to be one of them? Right. And that is, it is really hard when, when we were speaking about the limited opportunities and the top 2% of dancers that get those opportunities. A lot of these award shows are the same way. They just hire the same dancers over and over and over again because they've established these relationships. They know that they can deliver. I get it. Easy. Easy. Yeah. It just, it just doesn't allow a ton of room for new people to, to come in. So yes, the Kelly Clarkson American music awards was the first time that I got to the room where it all happens. And I was thrilled. It was very like accidental the way that it happened. And I'm very thankful for the way that it did. But there is just something so incredible about performing on a stage where so much talent, like the highest caliber of talent is being celebrated. Yeah. Right. Like you're there again, just so grateful to be there being backstage on nights like that. It's like, it's watching dreams 
become reality and you're in that space, right? It's just really, really inspiring. And like you leave that experience and you feel just so fired up to keep, keep going with your own personal journey. So yes, that was really, really awesome to be Mm. able to finally check that box. Um, And then the Emmys, I think I got to do the kids choice awards as well. So that that was fun, like getting to see the youthful side of the um, award shows really fun. Um, but the Emmys was the cherry on the top. It was the icing on the cake. Yeah. There was no audition for that. Was it, that was a direct book from Mandy Moore, who I had already worked with on La La Land. So that was, it was a really nice gift. It was just, it was literally a gift that turned into something I'm just so beyond thrilled and grateful for. Yeah. yeah. So were you in like the opening number or what yes. did you do? Oh, okay, cool. Yes. Very for cool. the Emmys, we were in the opening number. Um, it kind of like, you know, all these things change and shift all the time yeah. when you're in the rehearsal process. So it started off to be a little bit more grandiose that it ended up being, but we still were there. Yeah. We were still like the opening at- entertainment for the Emmys. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Well, talking about La La Land, You've obviously, yes, you were on in La La Land. Um, you were in the opening the, the with all the yeah. cars, right? Uh-huh. Love that. It's one of my husband's favorite movies as well. So he's Aww. loving that I'm talking to you. And I guess I'll say this now on the podcast. You've also been on General Hospital as Jordan Ashford. Amazing. Yes. Shout out to my mom. She's a huge General Hospital fan. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. Yeah. Um, got Tiffany Daniels on for you. <laughs> Anyways, back to La La Land. What did a typical day look like for you shooting La La Land? I guess, where was it shot? Was it, I'm hoping it was in LA because it's literally the name of the movie. Yeah. And just share some of the details about that incredible experience. The Fresh Beat Band that I had mentioned before, I had worked with Mandy on that show. So she hired me for like 11 or 12 of the episodes that I did on Fresh Beat Band. So we had already established a really wonderful bond and a connection And then she brought me on to the skeleton crew of La La Land. So I got to basically be a part of a group of 20 dancers that Mandy just built the entire movie on. She needed bodies. Mm -hmm. She needed to see what things look like. She needed to try different transitions. And we, it was like three or four weeks of all day, every day, just building dance numbers, trying new things, showing the director, showing the execs, making tweaks so that by the time she did hire all the dancers, it was ready to go. So because I was part of the skeleton crew, I wasn't assuming that I was going to be in the movie, but I was hoping that I was going to be in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Good. I'm glad you were. Yeah. Try, I try to like simmer down some of the expectations but you can't help but dream and hope yeah so yes I was I knew Mandy was going to try and cast each dance section with different dancers yeah that provided so much more opportunity for so many more people which is so beautiful love Mandy more yeah um so I got placed in the traffic scene which I had been building with her for, you know, the last three or four weeks. I knew how intense that section was going to be, but I was super thankful to be, to have found a spot (laughs) in the movie. It didn't matter where it was. So we had, 
built it over three to four weeks. And then when we actually hired all of the dancers that were going to be in that section, I would say we probably rehearsed with those dancers for maybe another like week or two. Yeah. And then after we rehearsed in a parking lot, which doesn't necessarily translate to what actually happened. Mm. We had to, we had to try it. We had to take all of that and try it up on the freeway bridge. Right. So are you familiar with LA, Brittany? No, I've been once on vacation, but not really. So okay. it was, was it literally filmed on a bridge, like a real bridge? Literally filmed on a freeway bridge. So you shut down the bridge, obviously. Yes. Oh Two my weekends. God. Ah! Two weekends. So um, there is uh, what's called like a fast track, um, like a, carpool type of yeah like a high occupancy lane yes mm-hmm. yes you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about yep <laughs> so it's not it wasn't shutting down like a freeway entrance okay. but it was shutting down like the the fast track entrance onto okay the freeway so it didn't like disturb LA traffic too much but it definitely disturbed LA traffic yeah um so we had to pick up that entire thing from the parking lot and bring it up to this bridge they got all these old cars and just like lined them up on the bridge. And I think that they might've stayed there for the whole week. Like we rehearsed one weekend, there was a week off and we filmed it another weekend. I want to, don't quote me on that. That sounds crazy for them to do that, but. Well, did they, did they film anything on that first weekend? Because if they did, they might've, oh, okay. Because if they did, I would say that maybe they kept it so that nothing would have moved for the second weekend. Right. I mean, I can't imagine them having to, like, there was probably like 40 plus cars on. Right. Yeah. That's a huge I can't imagine them like putting them up there, taking them down, putting them up there and then taking them down. But who knows? I have no idea. Um, But I do know that we had to rehearse up on that bridge both Saturday and Sunday, it was like eight hour, 10 hour day, um, both days. Mm. Because I'm not sure if you were able to notice, but if the opening scene was two shots. Wow. That's it. So that meant if it's like, let's say it's a five minute song, we had to shoot two and a half minutes. We did one cut and we shot the rest of the next two and a half minutes. So if anything went wrong in any of those two and a half minutes, we had to start over. Right. And there was so many people involved, so many elements involved, so many cameras, so much. Not to mention it was like 97 degrees that day. Of course, they had to do it in summer. Of course. So it was so much. Yeah. But we were very well rehearsed and Mandy just like was like, I love you guys, but don't mess this up. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have time. <laughs> and we all love Mandy so much. We're like, right, no problem. Yes, ma'am. We will do this. Like even just a simple, like the the last beat of the song was the doors closing on all of the yes. cars at the exact same time. Ooh. You got it though. It's in there. I did. But let me tell you that one take, I think this is actually the take that made it in the movie. The one take, I was just like, my, like my foot got stuck because we're coming from the top of the car, the roof of the car, down to the ground, getting into the car. It's another day of sun. <laughs> and my foot got stuck somewhere, but it was just like, 
get in the car, just shut the door. It doesn't matter what it, what you're doing. Just get in the car and shut the door. I'm sure like dresses got caught, like hair is just in the windows. Oh God. Stress situation. <gasps> oh, well, no one would know watching it, but that's awesome right. to know, like right. behind the scenes. Right, but we got it, and it was an incredible scene, and I'm so thankful to be a part of it. Oh, amazing! Oh, I love that story. I love hearing all the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like we see the perfect shot, we see the edited version, right? And and you don't know what happens behind, and and I think that's what the general public they don't get right? They don't get the work that goes in behind it that Mandy's just screaming at you from, you know, I'm sure she's got a megaphone screaming at all the cars. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, what has it been like working with such huge names in Hollywood? Have you ever been starstruck whilst on set? Um, (laughs) I do think that the novelty of the celebrity can wear off pretty quickly. Yeah. Once you've been here in LA, because I think it's also a rite of passage for dancers and artists to have some sort of service job Mm. in the meantime of them pursuing their dreams. Yep. So, you know, I had a ton of celebrities that I had to like make a latte for at some point in time (laughs) as well. So, yeah, I was a server at Applebee's in New York. You were? Yeah. Rupert Grint walked in one day with his like whole family and I was freaking out. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. And I was like, I let no one go to the table. I was like, do not go over there. I am the only one that gives him drinks or food. And then I didn't say anything until the end. And I was like, are you Rupert Grint? (laughs) I was like, can I have a picture? And it was the opening. He was there because it was the opening of the last like Harry Potter movie. That's why he was in New York. But oh, yeah. Uh, go serve because I'm sure a celebrity will come in at, at one point. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Especially if you go serve in like Beverly Hills or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I've been a little like desensitized yeah. to the celebrity. I'm not sure if there was if there has been a moment of me being starstruck. Mm. I've definitely been surprised. Yeah. Like, oh, that person's a lot shorter than I thought. <laughs> or that person's energy is different than I thought mm. it would be, you know? Yeah. But um, the only person I think that I would completely fangirl over is Bruno Mars. <laughs> but I actually don't even know because we've never been in close enough proximity for me to really know if I would lose mm. my mind or not. Right. So we need to figure out what Bruno's doing and then get you on it and see. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I would be very curious to see what my disposition would be like if Bruno Mars was to walk into the room. Amazing. I'd I'd love to see it. I'm going to get back to you on that when that happens. Yes, please do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I once did background for I don't know if you remember uh the, it was a tv show called smash yeah in, yeah yeah um I I did a few days of background work for that and um I we were doing like a gym scene just you know they were filming we were just wandering around whatever and Steven Spielberg walked in oh he was the executive producer of oh, the show and he like walked in to just like check on us and I was just like this can't be happening. I'm in the same room as Steven Spielberg. Like I'm just this extra in the background, but that was like a pinch me moment for sure. I couldn't believe he was there. Yeah, that might happen to me too. Yeah. Like that was a big one. (laughs) Steven Spielberg. That's a good one. I hadn't thought about that one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, obviously you've transitioned into 
acting more so now. You've shared how it became more of your passion um, and how you transitioned from dancer to actor. Can you share a little bit about what the process of booking work as an actress is like? Like, what do you have to do at an audition? I've never gone in as an actor, so I have no idea. Yes. Okay. Auditioning as a dancer versus auditioning as an actor. I think we've touched very briefly on that, but um, it's a bit more organized if you ask me because how we were mentioning it's like such massive calls for dance often not always but often but with the acting it's a little more organized you've got a set time you show up for that time and then you leave so if you were to audition for a commercial as an actor you often get the audition appointment the day before sometimes a little more, maybe 48 hours, but more often than not, it's 24 hours or less. Um, And sometimes with a commercial audition, you will get sides attached. um, And sometimes you won't. Mm. Sometimes you will just show up to the appointment and they will pair you up or put you in a group or call you in individually. It all is project pending. And sometimes they give you the audition sides right then and you just memorize it very quickly I mean often with commercial sides it's maybe like three lines and an improvisational moment at the end Mm. Um, sometimes you go in and they just ask you like get to know you questions how are you doing today Brittany what did you have for breakfast today oh you know something very simple just so they want to see what you look like right speaking on camera because often when they're watching commercial auditions like that that don't have sides that don't have dialogue they're not watching it with sound right they're just watching it to see what you look like moving on Mm. camera Hmm. so that's commercial audition sometimes there's a little bit more to it sometimes there's a little bit less sometimes you spend way more time getting ready in the bathroom than you do in the actual audition room yeah that's just the thing Now, if you're auditioning as an actor for a film or television, Mm. you often get the audition appointment the same amount of time, 24 to 48 hours ahead of time, sometimes more if you're lucky. (laughs) Um, Sometimes you get it less than 24 hours. Sometimes it's a same day appointment and you've got to recalibrate your entire self to make sure that you are available and ready for that opportunity. But standard basic audition as an actor I get an audition for the Big Bang Theory. It's not on anymore, just saying from the past. I get an audition for the Big Bang Theory. I see um, what the role is. Uh, I see when it works. Do I have any conflicts with that? Because if I do, there's no point in me even auditioning. So like, let's respectfully decline or we can do it, great. What are the sides? Let me see what's going on in the sides. How many pages? What's my character? Break it down, blah, 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 blah. Um, And so then the next day, if we're going into an audition room, which hasn't happened for me in a very long time because of COVID, but if we're going into an audition room, you show up, you sign in, you say, I'm here, and then you just wait your turn in the lobby. Your heart is beating out of your chest. (laughs) (laughs) Just waiting in anticipation. Yeah, you're looking at a lobby full of people that look just like you or some version of you. Some people are engaging in casual conversations. Some people are very stressed out and just like look scared with their words. You know, everyone's got their own process, their own way. 
but you wait until your name is called, you go into that room, you have a whole little moment with casting, you run your scenes, you might get some redirection if they like what you did. You might get some notes and say, hey, let's try this again. They really wanna like get you to the best version of you that you can be for this tape that they're gonna submit to the execs. And then they say, thank you so much for coming in, Tiffany. And then you leave. And then you go on about your business, you go on about your day. Um, which often is either going to the next audition or figuring out how you're going to get the next audition. But like, it's just constant, you know, you're your own business. You are your own CEO. You're the only one that's going to keep this train moving. So like the audition's over, but your day isn't over. So that is like a basic rundown of what it means to audition as an actor um, for commercials or TV and film. Yeah. Really cool. I, like I said, I have no idea. I've never done it. Um, so I was really interested to hear. Yeah. Well, finally, what advice would you give to dancers who aspire to perform on TV or in films? The advice that I would give, I think I mentioned it at the top, is just keep going. Yeah. The thing about this industry is it's not going anywhere. Opportunities are going to continue to present themselves and you want to stay ready for when those auditions and opportunities present themselves. So one rejection doesn't mean ultimate rejection. And if this is something that you truly are passionate about, then your star will find you when you're ready for it. And I think that the worst feeling to have would be the feeling of, man, I wish I would have just like trained a little bit longer and I could have been ready for this opportunity when it presented itself. Mm-hmm. I like to stay ready all the time so that there aren't, there aren't as many surprises. Mm. So just keep going no matter what. Continue to explore what makes you thrive, what you're passionate about. And if that changes a little bit, that's okay. That is absolutely okay. Continue to grow and evolve and your star will find you. I promise. I love that. Well, would you mind sharing with us some of your future plans or aspirations? Yeah. Well, when I had decided to start transitioning more into acting, Mm. that decision was based on a realization that I came to about myself that I had worked really hard for most of my life and to be really good at everything. Everything that I've done, I've tried to be really good at. Yeah. But I didn't really feel like I got to be great at anything Hmm. because there was so many things that I was trying to do all at once that it didn't necessarily allow for greatness to evolve from one area. So with my acting, I said, okay, I've had a wonderful dance career and I'm going to continue to dance and things are going to still pop up when, when they do, I can still move. I still got it. Yeah. (laughs) But I want to be great at acting. I want to be great at it. And I have an opportunity now because acting doesn't require a youthful facility that you can stretch and twist and, you know, reform and refine. Right. I can, continue to grow my skills as an actor for the rest of my life. Yes. Right? There are stories being told at every age. So I wanted to become great at acting. 
And so I made it a goal to become a series regular on a TV mm. show. And I didn't know what that was going to look like. I didn't know what TV show that was going to be. I didn't know if it was going to be comedy or drama or if it was going to be about dance or if it's going to be about music or musical yeah. theater, who knows? I had no idea what it was going to look like, but this pilot season, I did it. I booked a series regular and I am currently filming a TV show on Nickelodeon it's called That Girl Lele. I am playing the mom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Congratulations. Thank you so much. We are in the middle of filming our first season right now. Nickelodeon has such high hopes for this show. You know, there's no rhyme or reason to anything in the way that this world in this industry works specifically. Um, so I'm so thankful that we're here in season one and we're trekking along and we're filming these episodes. Uh, I would love for this show to run for an incredibly long time, five seasons, maybe that would be the ultimate goal, but I'm just like so happy and so grateful to be in the space that I am right now. Cause I have a steady job mm. every single day that I get to go to and I get to create with incredible people and I get to act all the time and it's Nickelodeon. So they're utilizing the fact that I can dance. They're utilizing the fact that I am have a musical theater background and I get to sing and I get to move and I get to do all of the things that I have been working so hard to make my career. I get to in utilize all of them in one place. And right. I feel so honored and so lucky and so blessed that I get to do that. And if I hadn't adopted that mentality of like, I just have to keep going. I just have to keep going. No matter how many times I didn't get the job, there was so many times that I've been uh, considered all the way up into the very last two girls for like huge roles. And I didn't get it. And there was so many opportunities that I had to just walk away cry, close the curtains on the apartment and just shut everything down. There's so many times I could have done that, but it was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to set a timer. I'm going to set a timer for 25 minutes, for an hour, whatever it is. And I'm mm. going to use this 25 minutes to cry and get all these emotions out. And then I'm going to pick myself up. And I'm going to keep going because the only way I'm getting to where I want to go is if I take the action, if I do the steps, if I do the work. So I have to keep going and pick myself back up and just do it. So yeah. I am here sitting before you on this Zoom podcast right now to tell you that dreams are possible. I was a dancer and I was a lost dancer 19, 20 years ago when I first got to this town. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought everybody in, in this world, in the industry was way better than me. I would cry on a regular basis because I just wasn't sure that this is what I was supposed to be doing. But somehow I managed to just pick it back up every single day and keep trekking along. And I'm here. Yeah. I'm making great money doing what I love to do. And I am so thankful to be able to have opportunities like this where I get to share the journey. So thank you so much for allowing me to just talk your ear off today. <laughs> It's been absolutely wonderful to hear about your entire journey. Just absolutely inspiring. And like I said, congratulations on this show. We'll have to keep an eye out yeah. when it comes out. Yeah. Super, super exciting. Well, would you mind sharing some of your details so that listeners can follow and, and see everything that you're going to be up to in the future? 
Absolutely. Uh, the social platforms that I keep up with the most are Instagram and Twitter. Those are both at it's me, Tiff D. I-T-S-T-I-F-F-D. Um, and then I have my personal website where I just keep all of my things up to date. I've got a ton of footage from all of the work that I've done. So people can always visit and check that out. And my full resume is up there if you're interested in that. Um, my contact page, if you wanna reach out and we can, if anybody has more questions or anything, I'm totally open to any of that. So it's just tiffanydaniels.com. All of that's pretty easy to find if you just put in Tiffany Daniels, so. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Adventures Guide podcast. Thank you so much for sharing all of your stories. I cannot wait to share this with everyone. Thank you, Brittany, so fun. Wow. Tiffany gave us some incredible advice and insight into the TV and film sector of the industry, and I hope this episode helps dancers learn what to expect if being on the silver screen is their dream. As Tiffany said, anything is possible. You just have to keep going. The next episode is part one of a two-part series outlining one pro performer's professional career and her self-development journey. I'll be joined by founder of the Pro Performer platform, Raquel Alder. We'll discuss empowerment, overcoming rejection, essential skills necessary for performers, amongst a variety of additional topics. You honestly do not want to miss this two-part series. Raquel's advice is gold. Raquel was also a guest panelist on our Future of Dance Auditions webinar we hosted back in April 2021, which is now available on our website. So go ahead and check it out by visiting adancersguide.com backslash on dash demand. Always remember, stay confident, be humble. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.